Welcome to the Cold Steel Podcast, hosted by Amir Farouk and myself, Chad Paul. We consider it an absolute privilege to bring you guests from around the world who are truly experts in their craft. Our mission is to offer you a combination of not only masterclasses on clinical surgery topics, but also insights into achieving personal growth, productivity, and fulfillment as both a surgeon and perhaps more importantly, as a human. We're very pleased to bring you this special episode of Cold Steel. Uh, so this year, we recognize that uh, this has been a very hard year for all the med school applicants who are applying to residency, as again, it was a virtual year. Many of the programs have done a really excellent job of trying to hold virtual info sessions and things like that. We wanted to try to also facilitate that a bit more for our future colleagues and uh, all the medical students who are applying specifically to general surgery this year. What we did for this episode is to actually interview uh, most of the programs across the country to ask them a bit about the program. And it was quite neat to do this episode. Hey, Dr. Ball, because I think doing this actually brought back a lot of memories for me about what it was like to go through CARMS. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, the, the, some of the program directors were so eloquent in terms of the, the benefits and, and uh, some of the neat things within their program, within their city, within, you know, being around their colleagues. And it, it certainly brought back trying to think about all those things as you, as you apply for sure. Was a was a real privilege to invite all the programs across the country, you know, most of which uh, were able to be included, and uh, we hope it helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, while we're on the subject, Dr. Ball, you've obviously been on both sides of that equation. I think it is worth just talking a little bit about maybe some tips and tricks for people who uh, are applying for their residency as and as well for their interviews. Do you have any little tips and tricks that you you tell people who are applying? Uh, and are going to, particularly now, I guess, with virtual interviews? Yeah, that's a great question, Amir. I mean, I just certainly don't have much in the way of, of advice um, to our national applicants in terms of virtual interviews, because it's a it's a hard thing to do. And it's certainly not something that you or I had to go through at, at that stage, uh, fortunately, and unfortunately for the candidates now. You know, I, I think whether you apply for uh, medical school, and certainly when you apply for residency and or fellowships, um, you know, really the truth is on the other side of the curtain, really almost all of the reference letters are, are good to excellent. They're all, they're all quite good. Otherwise, you know, I think most of our medical student and resident colleagues would, uh, would know not to ask for a, for a poor letter. Um, so, so that probably holds a little bit less weight um, than some of the other elements of the, of the application. I think you should be, you know, true to yourself. And in many ways, as you know, you know, you're interviewing the program as much, if not probably more than the program that's really interviewing you. And these programs across the country, you know, I think as our listeners will uh, and applicants will hear in this podcast, although they have the, the solid core of Canadian general surgical training, uh, without doubt across the board, they really are unique in terms of flavor and um, some of their strengths. Um, they, they differ substantially, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I completely agree to you. And not to get too, too Shakespearean, but you know that advice is uh, holds true to thine own self. Be true, and and I think you 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 don't realize this when you're going through it, but you know the programs want to recruit their best pop, pop, possible applicants too, and and you know more than one program director says on on the interview that what they're really looking for is fit, and, and that goes both ways. I think. And I think hopefully that comes across virtually as well too. You know, you, you get a sense of who the people are, 
you get a sense of whether you would fit with that group and not all personalities fit with all groups in all cities. So I think figuring out where you would jive and where you would thrive is, is so important. And this is the, this is the part of that interview where it's really hard to be objective about it. There's, there's some little gut feeling that, that goes in deep within you and you kind of realize like, you know, I think that's the place where I want to go and where I'm going to fit in. And you should just trust that voice inside your head that tells you that I think that that's, um, that's the way to go. And again, I didn't do a virtual interview either, but I think all the usual things about, you know, dressing professionally, you know, looking into whatever you can do to make yourself look as good as possible on your virtual interview is, is going to go along in a long stead. Cause again, the programs are only get to see that one little snapshot of you. So doing whatever you can to, to make sure that, um, that you look the best that you can on the interview day is going to go a long way. And we'll, we'll post some links in the show notes to some really good advice that I've seen online about how to make yourself look good uh, virtually. It, it is kind of a, a neat feeling to, to look back on that. I know I met many of my friends that I have today on my, my CARMS tour. So I hope that can be the experience for, for applicants this year as well, too. Yeah, the last thing I would say is, is support what you just mentioned. I like that very much. You know, essentially trust your intuition. It's probably the best barometer of, of, of the, the fit uh, to a program. My only other comment would be, and it probably sounds a little bit old school to uh, perhaps some of the applicants listening to this would be that, you know, volume of, of cases in terms of a procedurally based residency is critical. So try and go to the places where you get the sense that you'll have a lot of opportunity with regard to seeing cases, thinking about cases, and uh, fortunately, as a result, operating on cases. So trust your intuition and, and go where the volume is. And I think uh, uh, there's a lot of programs across the country that, that, are, that are wonderful. And the, the truth is everyone wants to be a superstar. And you can really, really be a superstar, both clinically and academically, in any of the programs across the country. And I've said it better myself, Dr. Wall. All of, to all of our listeners, please enjoy our 2022 CARMS residency interview highlights. Dr. Matheson, thank you again for joining us on Cold Steel. We really appreciate you taking out the time, especially so late uh, out on the East Coast. Uh, and again, hats off to you and all the dedicated program directors who really go uh, to the ends of the world to take care of their uh, their residents really well. Thanks very much. It's great to be talking to you. Uh, we'd just like to ask, start by um, asking you to tell us a bit about your program. Yeah, so uh, we think we got a good program. We take uh, four people a year. Uh, we've been steady at that for a long, long time. Um, and we think it's a really good program. There's some things that we do a little different, which I'll sort of get to in a second. Um, but obviously it's sort of five years. We're into CBD like the rest of the world now. Um, at the end, we really think we produce a good surgeon. Like our goal is at the end of five years, uh, you finish on June 30th, on July 1st or 2nd, you should be able to walk into just about any hospital, community hospital in this country and start working and take call. And whether that means you're doing laparotomies in the middle of the night or scoping people or whatnot, we think you're ready to go. Um, this comes some, from sort of with this, a couple of things we do differently. So we, we don't really have a senior junior setup. Um, we sort of have chief year residents who are um, sort of not on the regular call schedule, but sort of available most of the time. And then everybody else gets sort of their own team when they're on general surgery. So we think this really gives people lots of early experience. 
Um, and we sort of put about 50% of people out into fellowships and 50% of people who finish, they go straight into, uh, into work. So we think it is a nice balance there. Yeah, I think that's a really unique um, training model and probably really allows for some really good early and ongoing operative exposure. Um, you, I guess you've, you know, you've touched upon that strength of, of the program. Are there any other strengths or highlights you'd want to talk about uh, for the Newfoundland program? Yeah, so we definitely do uh, sort of early operative exposure. So because you're in, in even in PGR1, you might be leading a team. The one sort of exception to the senior junior is on our acute care service at the busier hospital. There's, there's a PGY3 and a PGY1 together. So that then the PGY1 plays a sort of junior role. Uh, and this just is so busy. But in all the other teams, you, we sort of uh, throw you in and let you let you run a team, even straight out of uh, med school. And I tell the residents when they start out that uh, basically what we're going to do is we're going to throw you into the deep end of the pool, but then all the faculty are going to stand on the side of the pool with uh, life preservers and ropes ready to throw to you when you need it. Uh, and I think this is sort of a, and it really is just like that. We throw you in the deep end, but uh, Virtually everybody is capable of doing this, whether they, they realize it or not, uh, and, and we're there to help out. I think one of the things that we sort of culturally accept is that the, the staff are used to doing a bit more micromanagement, a bit more help out. So if you're on a team with a PGY-1 or a PGY-2, you're probably doing a little bit more micromanagement of floors. Uh, you're doing things a bit differently than if you've got a PGY-4 or if you're in a big center where you got a senior and a junior on every team. So we just accept that um, and we're used to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that one of the unique things about having that setup is, and again, entrusting people with uh, responsibility early is that usually people are able to rise to that expectation a lot more often than that person thinks or sometimes even outside people think. So I think that's really helpful and I think it builds a lot of confidence and, and having worked with uh, some of your trainees, you can see that confidence right from the get-go. Uh, you mentioned that about 50% of your graduates go on to do fellowships. Um, what kind of fellowships are people uh, typically doing or um, where are people often, uh, and those who, who aren't doing fellowships, where are they they're going off to practice? It's a bit of a mix. So the fellows uh, this year, there are what, one guy's going to thoracics, another one's going to Serge Anka in the U.S. actually. Uh, last year, the graduates who just finished in, in spring 2021, both went to community jobs. Both are sort of locuming right now, but one had a long, probably long-term job in uh, sort of out west in Alberta or BC. Uh, and sort of stretching back before that, from the fellow point of view, we've sent people to ped surgery, thoracics, uh, good number MIS. Uh, we just hired a guy who did advanced endoscopy um so it's a bit of a mix the I'm trying to remember the last sort of few uh people who went to the community uh, a couple of them are in the province of newfoundland working um we sent uh, three or four years ago a guy to coastal bc where he um he's from alberta and decided to move to the coast of bc sort of a, a couple hours north of vancouver um, so it's a real, a real mix of where people end up. What are the strengths, qualities that you're looking for in a prospective applicant? I'm not, 
I'm never sure how to answer this question. I think we're definitely looking for team players. We debate this a lot at, at rank meetings and uh, sort of Karim's interview time. What, what are the qualities we're looking for? But definitely we want uh, people who are personable, uh, team players, and easy to, easy to get along with and work with. And we think these are qualities that both make a good resident they're essentially a sort of colleague for five years and these are definitely qualities that uh, are good in the in the world of treating patients and doing surgery i think that brings a personability to patient care that is really important well i i think you have to be a personable person to live in such a lovely city such as saint john's with such lovely uh, people um, can you tell us a little bit about what St. John's is like as a city and what residents kind of get up to outside of the hospital? Yeah, so uh, St. John's has become uh, more and more vibrant over the last couple of decades. Uh, It's got a very busy sort of downtown restaurant and sort of club scene. So that's sort of the evenings. One of the strengths of this place is uh, sort of outdoors and hiking. So it's, it's rustic, it's rugged, and it's um, sort of bare rock exposed stuff everywhere. But uh, on a sunny day, it's gorgeous. And one of the, there's trails all over the place. There's a long trail that goes a couple of hundred kilometers uh, along, weaving along the coastline, which is used by all kinds of people. And uh, a lot of the residents get out and sort of hike these on weekends and whatnot. So that's definitely one of the things that's going for it. Our usual detractor is the weather. We don't really have spring. So it's like cold and wintry from sort of December till the middle of April. And then it's sort of foggy for a while. And then summer comes sometime in June and lasts till the middle of September. And then fall is nice. Um, One of the things that a lot of people do, especially they're here five years, is that they can actually buy houses. So um, if you're here long enough, people invest and and make that uh, purchase. which I think is probably a bit different from other places. Well, that's fantastic. And it, I will say anecdotally that it is just an absolutely beautiful city and the, the colors and the vibrancy of the, the buildings downtown are just gorgeous. Um, in closing, uh, Dr. Matheson, thank again, thank you again for spending the time with us. Are there any, is there anything about the program that you think people wouldn't know that, uh, that would be kind of surprising uh, to prospective applicants? And are, is there anything else that you would want uh, our med student listeners to know. So I'll spin back to quick things. Um, we, we do take pride in the sort of uh, endoscopy curriculum that we have, which is sort of four months of dedicated endoscopy. And I think we aim for people to come out with good skills in that. Um, one of the advantages we have here is that there's only a couple of surgery training programs. There's general surgery and orthopedics, and there's no fellows in anything, right? Uh, so that keeps people out of your way when you're getting operative experience. Like I said before, we sort of jump in right away, but everybody, uh, we're there to help you. And it's a small group. And in the last five, six, eight years, there's been really great camaraderie amongst the residents. They they get along, they spend time outside the hospital together, uh, and there's support for each other that uh, sometimes really impresses me and knowing that I sort of wasn't that, it's so much better than it was 20 years ago. Not that it was bad 20 years ago, but they really help each other out. And it's a, it's a team and a family.
Well, that's absolutely wonderful. And thank you again, Dr. Matheson, for joining us and uh, have a great night. Dr. Hellier, thank you so much for joining us on Cold Steel today. We really appreciate you taking out the time to tell us about the Dalhousie General Surgery Program for our upcoming CARMS season. I'd just like to start by asking you um, to tell us a little bit about the Dalhousie Program and what are some of the strengths and weaknesses of the program? Well, thanks a lot for asking me asking me to participate. This is uh, great. Um, so Dal has a um, five-year, as everybody else um, across the country, uh, general surgery program. Um, we are situated in Halifax, but we have um, uh, rotations in New Brunswick and possibly uh, Prince Edward Island and um, other communities outside in, in Nova Scotia. Um, we take five um, residents a year, and so we have a complement of anywhere from 25 to um, 30 uh, residents in our program. Um, I think the strength of our program uh, happens uh, to be like the early onset of uh, operating and independence. Um, the residents are um, encouraged to use the skills lab, and we have uh, ongoing skill sessions all the way through the five years to um, build on those um, surgical skills. Uh, I think that uh, another strength would have to be the Maritimes. Maritime people are known to be warm and generous, and I think that resonates through our uh, program and the uh, rotations um, around the Maritimes. Everybody's always very um, happy to have residents, and they have excellent um, experiences in the community. That's so true. You, you never hear anyone say anything negative about Dalhousie, and it's always a, a beautiful stop on the, on the CSF tour uh, over the years. We're, we're curious, what is the typical breakdown of what your residents go on uh, to do after graduation? Uh, great, great question, Chad. Um, it varies. We have... Um, uh, traditionally tried to train um, community surgeons um, and but we've had uh, uh, many subspecialties uh, come out of our program this year we have uh, uh, a resident going to MIS one going to HPV transplant and another one going to thoracics um, last year we had uh, one go to surgical oncology um, so um, subspecialty um, you know, success rate to fellowship is very very high how many applicants do you take annually and what are the traits and characteristics of an applicant that you'd be interested in? Every year we have uh, many applications, but we generally interview 60 and um, of that five positions are filled. Uh, we occasionally have an externally uh, funded grad every other year. Uh, what I'm looking for in a surgery resident is someone who is self-motivated, um, who uh, is, has great communication skills, who's a good team player, and um, uh, has uh, enthusiasm for life. Um, someone who uh, uh, works well with others and is generally um, easy to get along with. Yeah, it's that, that's such a good point. The, the, the match with the program and the, and the residents is clearly so important to ensure success. You know, you commented about the friendliness of the Maritimes and, and what a wonderful city Dalhousie resides in and that you get to work in. D tell us a little bit more about what a resident's life looks like, what some of the things available to them outside of work would be in the, in the city, maybe for those who haven't been there. So I think that uh, Halifax has changed over um, the last 20 years. Halifax is now uh, 
much more of a multicultural uh, city. We have great restaurants and um, a good social life. Um, there's lots of universities, so there's bars, activities, restaurants, all that sort of things. We have uh, theater and concerts. So um, that's after after hours. Um, we have uh, a really short commute to um, being outside and doing outdoors, such as hiking, um, kayaking. Um, of course, we don't have any downhill skiing. That would be you guys out west, but we have a lot of cross country and uh, snowshoeing. Uh, the uh, Maritimes has become a bit of a, a winery um, place. So we have lots of wine tours. Um, we have uh, uh, little uh, farms and uh, you know, um, generally uh, outside excursions. Uh, I think that's probably what has changed the most. We of course have whale watching and uh, being on the, on the Atlantic gives a great uh, uh, chance to go sailing, uh, scuba diving, if you like the cold water. And don't forget the lobsters in the airport. Um, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. The last two questions we had for you are, one is if, uh, if prospective applicants were interested in doing research, uh, what kind of opportunities are there for them to do that? And then the last question we have is, is there anything else you'd like prospective applicants to know? And is there anything surprising about the, the program that they uh, should know, but might not know? So for your first question on research, every resident um, when they come into the program is uh, uh, given a list of uh, research topics which are aligned with staff people. And uh, Dr. Newman is our research um, coordinator and she uh, mentors people all the way through their first their five years. You have to um, hopefully have a, an outline in your first year, present um, your working plan in the second and have data collection in your third. Um, we also have for, patients, for people who wanna go on to do um, more of a concentrated research time, a clinical investigator program, which is a two years fully funded from the Department of Surgery. And then they're off of all clinical duties and um, usually have secured funding and um, they can be taken anywhere from second to fourth year. I have residents um, in fourth year who are just going into CIP now. Um, and then you come back in after your, after your two years, generally with a master's. We have, uh, I've had residents do uh, master's of education, uh, master's in pathology, uh, CIP. Um, so it's got very varied. Um, we've also had some residents take a three-month block to really do a focused um, project. Um, and everybody's encouraged to have um, an abstract presentation at a national meeting um, or CAGS, uh, which we fully fund the residents to go to that meeting. Um, so I think every research is supported and, uh, and our successes are celebrated. Um, the last question is, what would people um, be surprised? Well, Halifax has a full complement of subspecialties. We have a multi-organ transplant program, and um, this year we're looking at over 30 liver transplants. Um, the residents all rotate on transplant in their second year. They do eight weeks where they go for donors and uh, look after these transplant patients. Um, we also have a, a quite a busy surgical oncology program where we're doing um, cytoreductive and uh, um, intraperitoneal um, chemo. Um, we have a, um, a liaison with uh, medical oncology where we're looking after a lot of advanced melanoma patients. Um, and we generally take from across the Maritimes and sometimes including um, Newfoundland, the Atlantic Promises. Uh, we would include quite a busy MIS program um, and um, colorectal surgery. 
the last thing I, we don't have any, we only have one fellow, uh, two fellows right now, one in HPV and one in MIS. So the residents all are the primary caregivers and the assistants in all these uh, large um, surgeries. And uh, they also have a great uh, um, exposure to access surgery. So when they're on access surgery as a PGY4, um, you are the, the fellow. So you're doing all of the uh, um, cases, um, seeing patients and uh, running the team. So I think that's a quite a, a unique um, focus currently across the country. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Lieberman, thank you so much for joining us today on the Cold Steel podcast. Could you tell us a little bit about the Montreal General Surgery Residency Program? Our program is a, a quite a large program, maybe not the biggest in Canada, but uh, we have a, a fairly good-sized program with uh, between 8 and 10 uh, um, new uh, first-year residents each year. We span... Uh, a pretty good swath of Montreal's teaching hospitals, uh, although we're not the only teaching center uh, in Montreal. Um, we have very big uh, university centers. We have affiliated uh, teaching hospitals, and we have some community hospitals that really make up the clinical side of our program. Um, and uh, we have a, a pretty long history of excellent graduates and excellent teachers as well. Uh, and uh, quite a bit of uh, strong uh, research, both output and opportunities for trainees to partake in. Um, and it's a, it's a great place. I trained at McGill many, many years ago, and it's been a lot of fun coming back as program director uh, almost 20 years later. And, um, and so I'm very excited to, to play a part in this program. Well, McGill has a very good reputation nationally, and I might even add internationally. Um, so you talked a little bit about the research, the breadth of different environments where trainees work. What are some other highlights or strengths that you want to talk about for the McGill General Surgery Program? One of the things that our residents always comment on, and, and something that we notice but also foster in the program, is that despite being a fairly large program, we, we really have a... Uh, family feel to the program. All the residents know each other. Uh, the majority of attendings and residents really uh, have a, a close relationship in terms of um, uh, knowing each other and knowing each other's uh, background, but also skills and capabilities. Uh, and we're really the type of program where if you have a problem and everyone has problems from time to time and every program has issues, uh, it's the type of program where you can bring those issues to us uh, or to the General Surgery Residence Committee, uh, and we really take those things seriously and, and look at uh, how we can improve things for residents. And, and so people always ask about uh, strengths of a program. Well, I think our biggest strength is the ability to deal with problems when they happen and um, also uh, at the same time uh, serving out an excellent uh, teaching program uh, that uh, that really leaves nothing left uh, to to guess about when you're heading towards your exams five years later or so. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. But, you know, there's no question. I think all the Canadian programs can can put graduates in any fellowship or job that they probably desire. But 
I'm curious when it comes to McGill, what, what is the flavor? What have your graduates uh, gone on to do in general? What's that sort of fellowship uh, versus direct uh, entry into their first job mix? Yeah, so we uh, have always made sure that anyone graduating could just go work uh, in a general surgery position somewhere. We make sure that they have all the skills that a community general surgeon or even an academic general surgeon would need. That being said, um, we do have a lot of fellowships at McGill, and so the residents are often exposed to those things. And uh, it, it's very few of our residents that don't go on to fellowship afterwards. Um, it, partly because uh, maybe the strong research component, which really fosters a, um, a, an academic flavor to the program. And, and so the residents, when they're going through our uh, training, will often really start to seek out fellowship uh, training opportunities. And um, while I don't know if it's a strength or a weakness, it's just how it is. I and mean, we, we make sure that everyone has the training that they need. Uh, our Royal College uh, requirements uh, for graduating residents that are competent and safe, uh, definitely uh, we do that. Um, but uh, it, because there's such a high exposure to a lot of uh, very subspecialized work. I think that piques the interest of a lot of the residents uh, who can see themselves in careers uh, in more subspecialized areas that fellowships would uh, uh, offer them. And, and so um, we, I looked recently back at our uh, last 10 years of graduates, and I would say there's maybe only been about two or three graduates over those 10 years that have gone directly into general surgery practice. So uh, although, um, we're definitely open to someone who wants to do general surgery, uh, and many who have come into the program have said that as well. Um, the output at the end is often the fellowship route. Um, there's not really one type of fellowship that uh, that our residents go into. Uh, there's a, a huge variety year after year. Some years um, a little bit more into one versus another, but uh, just as an example, in the last year or two, I mean, we've had people go into colorectal, thoracic, surgical oncology, MIS, uh, and uh, I'm probably skipping a few. There's been some ICU critical care people, one or two have gone into trauma, um, and, uh, and really a, a bit of everything. And, and uh, we have those specialties at McGill, so a lot of the services that the residents were, will rotate on are usually either a mix of community type general surgery and some of the subspecialized programs or sometimes a purely subspecialized area like hepatic biliary and transplant uh, or colorectal surgery and things like that and, and so that, that tends to be the um, the route that most of our residents take what's the ideal applicant or candidate look like to you what kind of strengths and abilities or what types of characteristics are you looking for in a prospective applicant so we have a, a pretty limited ability in terms of the number that we can hire because in Quebec, uh, this is regulated by the government. So each of the medical medical schools and their residency programs, uh, numbers are, um, are dictated by the government. So for example, in the coming year, we only have three spots that we can offer through CARM. So the question you ask is very critical in terms of figuring out uh, who would like to come to our program and also what we'd like from those people. Um, the, uh, the best applicants are, 
probably the ones who have showed their the most interest in general surgery um, have very uh, supporting letters of recommendation from the people that they've worked with, especially from surgeons. Um, and also um, the ones who uh, have uh, come across in an interview as the type of people that we'd like to work with. So people that at the same time are, are driven and interested in general surgery, but also uh, have a personality that uh, we we find easy to get along with, someone that we'd love to have call us at three or four in the morning to discuss a case with us. Um, and when you're talking about just admitting a few people, I mean, these things are really critical because uh, we, we know that um, we're, we're limited a little bit by the numbers that we're allowed to take into the program. Um, but we also feel it's extremely important to be fair to everyone who's applying and really uh, make sure that the ones who are the most interested and the ones who uh, will probably get the most out of our program are the ones that we match. Um, so, uh, so it's a combination of things. It's really what you've done leading up to the program and also the type of uh, interaction and um, communication uh, skills and things like that, that we would see as you go through the program. Uh, you know, in the year after or so. I think we all know, having been a lot of us to Montreal many, many, many times, what uh, that absolutely beautiful city you live in has to offer. But, you know, from a, from a, maybe a 30,000 foot perspective, what are some of the, the extracurricular uh, or non-hospital based uh, activities and opportunities that your residents get into typically? On a normal non-pandemic year, obviously <laughs> we have a, a much better variety and offering of, uh, of events. Um, Montreal, as I, I hope you all know, is, is the coolest place in Canada. Um, not just the coldest, but also the coolest. And um, we're a city of festivals, we're a city of good food, we're a city of outdoor uh, events, both in the summer and in the winter. And um, because our residents also are, are quite friendly with each other. They tend to organize uh, some of these events too amongst themselves. Um, they have a, a strong residency committee that uh, plans uh, extracurricular things in addition to academic uh, retreats and things like that. Um, we do biking in the summer, we do skiing in the winter and, and everything in between. Um, we're a home to a hugely uh, popular restaurant scene uh, with very uh, exciting uh, <laughs> exciting types of restaurants. Um, obviously, this year, a lot of us are eating at home alone or with our families quite a bit, but um, the, the second we're allowed to, you know, we always break out and book a couple good restaurants. Um, and uh, for those who like skiing, I mean, we're, we're definitely not going to ski like at Whistler, or uh, uh, out west, but uh, we have a, a lot of skiing that's really close to the city. So in the winter, they're skating like in the old port and things like that. And then, uh, like I said about the festivals, we have the jazz fest and the uh, different kind of types of music festivals. Um, it's really a cool city to live. And, and those of us who live here uh, are here for a reason. And that's because uh, of all these things. And the quality of life is generally quite good. Um, for a reasonably priced city as well, compared to a couple other places. 
in in the country and so the residents um, usually uh, really enjoy that i think cool and and funky are definitely understated uh, descriptors of montreal so so good 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 for your description there for sure you know i think the last thing we we'd like to ask you in, in respect of your time and and uh and, and your program is if you could tell our, our applicants and our listeners maybe one or two things that might surprise them about the McGill program, um, you know, usually in a, in a positive light, but uh, really any light that you, that you see fit. Um, I think coming right out of medical school, you'll, especially if you weren't at McGill for medical school, you, you'd probably be a little bit surprised by the level of independence that residents have uh, when they start uh, in their training. And I don't mean independence, like just go and do stuff, but independence that uh, with the supervision and teaching and everything that they that they acquire early on, um, they get to do quite a lot uh, with, the, with the patients that they see, both in the emergency room, the operating room clinics and things like that. Um, and I, I, I don't have a lot of experience with other programs in the country, but uh, when you when you look at what our residents are able to do quite early in their training, um, it's actually quite uh, incredible. And I think it's because uh, we put a lot of trust and faith in the residents that uh, that that allows them to be able to get to that skill level very quickly. Um, the other thing is, uh, I think that um, uh, the family feel of the program will be quite surprising to someone who really hasn't been in the program for very long. Um, or uh, or wasn't at McGill and did a lot of rotations uh, in our program in our uh, services, for example. Um, the the residents really are a friendly bunch and they get along well, and um, that's so important to their well-being and really making people happy in the program. And I think those are probably the two. Uh, if you're asking about surprises, the two biggest surprises. Well, thank you again so much, Dr. Lieberman. The one question I thought we, we would just uh, quickly sneak in there is, uh, I'm sure it's a common question that you get, uh, do applicants need to know how to speak French? <laughs> they do not. Um, uh, the, as I mentioned before, we take about 10 residents per year and only three of them are through CARMS. So the others are all basically uh, from the Middle East. And so the majority of our program actually do not speak French. That being said, uh, there is an obligation uh, to serve patients in their language, especially if they don't speak English, um, a language that they understand. And uh, and so we rely on translators. We rely sometimes on family members, but we also uh, some of the other healthcare professionals to translate. So it is very important that people know how to get the word uh, through to their patients that they're trying to explain. Uh, McGill does offer uh, courses uh, through Rosetta Stone and some others. Um, lately, they've been free, and a lot of the residents uh, do take up uh, the, these opportunities. And uh, it's always great to learn an extra language, but spending five, six, seven years in a place, uh, it, it is really nice to learn some of the language. And so most of the residents do uh, use that opportunity to learn some French. But it's not mandatory. You also have to remember that Montreal is an extremely uh, cosmopolitan and international city. And so about 40% of our patients speak French as a first language, about 40% speak English as a first language, and the other 20% speak a variety of other languages. And so there's an equally important emphasis on, on um, 
uh, speaking with those patients with their translators and things like that. And, and so, uh, so no, it's not obligated that anyone speak French. Um, it's helpful. It's like if I was to go somewhere else in Canada, if I didn't speak English, I'd probably pick up some of it pretty quickly as well. And, and that goes the same for any other country. That's very well said. Thank you so much, Dr. Lieberman. Dr. Ott, thank you very much for joining us today on the Cold Seal podcast. It's really a pleasure to have you and all the really hardworking program directors join us for such a session for incoming applicants. And I know you've just been on a three-hour session uh, for incoming residents as well. And thank you again for joining us. Well, thanks very much for having me. I think this is going to be really exciting to have this go out on the podcast. Can you start by telling us a little bit about uh, the Western Residency Program, please? Sure. I mean, we're, um, I would describe us as a medium-sized program. We take five residents each year. Um, so a total of 25 plus or minus one or two, depending on how things uh, work out every year for our residency training program. We're in southwestern Ontario. London as a city is about... Uh, uh, about 400 to 450,000 people, but we serve a really large catchment area. Um, I've been the program director for about 10 years, um, so I'm not new at this as far as program directorship goes. Um, and I think we have a really, really strong program as far as training excellent surgeons and allowing people to get their jobs and or fellowships that they're interested in uh, doing. Yeah, Western has such a great reputation. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about the, some of the strengths in your mind of the, the Western program? Yeah, so I think that, you know, over the years, I've kind of come to realize there are three important components to any training program. Uh, one is clinical volume. One are educational experiences outside of clinical volume. And the other is what I call uh, mentorship or collegiality. And I think we excel in all of those. As far as clinical volume goes, um, for those of you that may or may not be aware, Southwestern Ontario is a large area, um, even though London itself is a smaller city in comparison to some of the very large cities in Canada, our catchment area is massive. So everything west of Hamilton, all the way to the border. Um, it, so uh, even though London is 400 some odd thousand people, our catchment area is about 1.5 to 2 million people. And there's no tertiary care level or um, a level one trauma centers other than London serving all of Southwestern Ontario. So. We have a very large catchment area and a very large clinical volume of tertiary care. And within that clinical volume, we don't have a tremendous number of fellows. And so our residents get a lot of experience in looking after patients with both simple disease that are uh, from our local area and then complex disease from within the region. So uh, we have all the services of a large tertiary care hospital and service a population that's bigger than uh, some of the major metropolitan areas like Montreal, Toronto. Or Vancouver because they have to divvy up their uh, clinical volumes between multiple hospitals. With regards to education programs, we have a lot of things outside of work or clinical volume that I think allows residents to achieve their goals at being excellent surgeons. We have a uh, really organized and well-run research training program by Dr. Kelly Boat. Uh, we have uh, a lot of productivity um, in our program and opportunities for research if that's what people want to do with their career. We have a lot of communities that are local to London. As I said, our catchment area is quite large. It spans as far as three hours away in Owen Sound. And so we have a lot of community partners where residents can go and work in these smaller communities that range anywhere from 30,000 up to 40, 50,000 uh, population base. 
Um, so that's really exciting. Um, we have uh, a large amount of money that's available for residents. So our residents, when they uh, present at meetings, get paid to go to meetings. And prior to COVID, uh, we were spending anywhere between sixty to seventy-five thousand dollars a year on residents traveling to research meetings. Um, that gets their work out there. That gets them in, uh, introduced to mentors and and uh, and to see how things are done in other parts of the country or the world, depending on where they're presenting their work. Um, we have a very innovative trauma simulation program run by Dr. Rob uh, Leeper um, that includes video feedback and play-by-play -play and discussions and. Uh, our residents, as they come into the program, get added to a team. Uh, they stay in that team throughout their five years of residency. So people are added and subtracted, but the core of the team throughout your training stays the same. And it's kind of a fun competition amongst the different teams. Um, uh, and uh, you stay with that group of individuals through your trauma simulations throughout the five years. And that creates some really good relationships. And then we have a really strong journal club program that includes going to restaurants, and I think the, the cornerstone of why our program is really successful at the Royal College exam is that we have probably the best exam preparation program where our faculty spend a tremendous amount of time on their free time uh, with no arms twisted to prepare our residents for the examination. And the final part of training programs, which I think is really important and often overlooked, is that mentorship or collegiality. Our program is not that big. We have 25 residents and we have somewhere in the neighborhood just over 30 faculty involved. We have two main training sites, and even though we're a big hospital that does a lot of important work, um, everyone knows each other. Everyone cares about each other. Our residents often describe it more of a, as a family relationship than really being a work relationship. And our faculty are very, very invested in our residents. Um, education is one of the pillars of our training, of our program within the Division of General Surgery and the Department of Surgery. It's a very important thing to our program. It's something that we pride a lot of. And so it's easy to find mentors, it's easy to find friends. Um, a lot of our faculty treat our senior residents more like peers. There's independent operating that occurs as you get into later stages of, of your career. Um, and I think that it, people find that it's a very comfortable place to work. If you work really hard and do a lot of hard work and no one appreciates the work you do, then you get burned out pretty quickly. When you're in a place where you might work hard but everyone really appreciates what you do and demonstrates that appreciation by investing in you or buying you lunches, buying drinks, going out places together, doing things together, uh, caring about your life outside of work, um, then that makes you feel very important and uh, it creates a, a sense of belonging, which I think we have. And so I think those three areas, the clinical volume, the programs outside of just the clinical work, and then that feeling of belonging and collegiality makes us an excellent place to train. And that's why, to be honest, in the 10 years that I've been a program director, no one really has left the program. We don't fail people out of the program. We bring people up to where they need to be and people don't transfer out. In fact, we've had more people transfer in in the 10 years than we've had transfer out of the program. And I think that it really speaks to the feeling that once you're in, you're in and you belong and everyone's gonna invest everything in you to make sure that you're an exceptional surgeon by the time you're done. So I think those are the main things that I would highlight about our program. You know, Mike, I think that's beautifully said. And I think from the outside, it, it sure seems like that, you know, the collegiality and the, the tightness of, of your group, both on the trainee side, as well as the faculty side in London is, is clear, I think, to the rest of the country. Um, beyond that, though, you, you know, you guys have really graduated some real icons and some, and some, some true giants in surgery over many, many decades. More recently, you've reintegrated a lot of these really great graduates back into your own faculty and your own program. 
curious if you could give some of the applicants a sense of what your graduates on, on average go on to do, uh, fellowships, community jobs, uh, direct entry work, whatever that would be. Yeah, so I think if you were to look over, again, the 10 years that I've been involved and to say, well, how many go on to fellowship and how many work in the community, it's probably somewhere in a neighborhood of 60 to 70 percent would do fellowship. And about 30 to maybe 40 percent would go and work directly in the community when they're done. It changes every year. Some years we have um, two or three that want to work in the community and not do extra training. Um, and so then when someone does fellowship, that doesn't always mean that they're going to go on to do an academic job. So we have a number of individuals that have done extra training in the area of critical care, colorectal, um, even uh, HPB, and then I've decided not to work in academic centers, but work in large community hospitals. And so that's always uh, a great thing too. Our residents are highly competitive um, for um, uh, sought after fellowships. They do very well because not only do they get a lot of great references and we have a lot of connections, um, but they're given the freedom to do the things that they need to do within their training program to make them strong applicants. Um, and so we are, our residents populate all kinds of things. Uh, we have a number of individuals that have taken jobs in uh, Stratford and St. Thomas, which are uh, local uh, towns that are not that far from London that have anywhere between 50 to 100,000 people. Um, then, you know, Sarnia, Windsor, which are slightly bigger cities. Um, and then I've been very proud that we've populated a bunch of academic spots across the country. Uh, there's individuals that work in Calgary. We've had individuals take jobs in Saskatchewan, Ottawa. Uh, some have come back to London uh, and contributed to our faculty, um, but we're slowly starting to infiltrate in a bunch of different areas. Um, and so I think that the main thing is that about our programs, we don't have a prototypical graduate where we say, you know, if you come to Western, this is what you're going to be, um, rather than uh, we work with our learners to decide what is their career goals. And then sometimes that takes a year or two for them to figure that out. And then we figure out how we're going to make that happen. Uh, the only thing that we demand is that people be exceptionally good surgeons by the time they're done their training. And we make sure of that. But as far as what their career goals are, we're interested in supporting them to be the best wherever they're going to be. So if they're going to go to a community hospital, then they're going to be the best surgeon that community hospitals ever had. If they're going to be an academic surgeon, then they're going to be highly functional not just in surgery, but in all the other components of academia, administration, research, and otherwise. Um, and I think we have the building blocks to create um, a successful uh, career for whatever someone wants to aim for. And I think that's the nice thing about our program. Um, There's a little bit different than some other programs is that there's flexibility built in the system. We don't have kind of, if you will, what a Western graduate is other than an exceptional surgeon. Um, the rest of it is really what do people want to do and we, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's important to our learners and then figuring out and tracking um, uh, a mechanism for them to achieve that success over their time with us and after us. Um, so I'm very, very proud of the graduates we have. Um, we have some pretty exceptional people working in London and some pretty exceptional people working both in Canada and the United States uh, and I think are some of the leaders and will be some of the leaders moving forward in Canada and surgery. Dr. Ott, one of the, I think, the unique things I think about Western is some of the research opportunities. And I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that residents can actually take a year off during their residency to, to pursue research, uh, like a formal research year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have a very um, extensive research program. Um, we recognize that not everyone wants to do um, a ton of research or have an academic career and this focuses on research. 
However, we believe that it's very important if you're gonna be a surgeon, particularly practicing in North America or anywhere in the world at this point, that you need to be um, facile with how research is done and to interpret research properly. And part of that is being engaged in research. So we kind of have three different streams um, for people who are meeting their research requirements to learn the basics of what they need in order to interpret and the literature and to be uh, exceptional, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, surgeons, surgeons that understand how the world is changing because the practice changes, um, all the way up to people that are aiming for academia and want to do, um, for example, a randomized controlled trial. Um, and so we have different streams and residents kind of choose which of those three streams they want to be in. We have an ex exceptional research uh, director, uh, Dr. Vogt, um, who's very involved in research nationally and trauma. Um, and she um, makes sure that everyone is doing what they need to do when they need to do it and gets the support they need to do it. But as far as taking time out, it's really quite flexible. We've had residents take a year to do what we have a local program. It's a master's of surgery. It's a thesis de derived degree um, through the university. It's a one-year program. It's meant to be done uh, during uh, some of the clinical work. So fellows and residents will often engage in that. Um, we've had residents take two years out to do a more formal master's, whether that be basic science or otherwise. Um, and then we even have a resident who's just returned uh, after four years of completing their PhD in epidemiology at Harvard University. So again, there's no real formula. It's more about what career you're wanting to do. Um, if you come to Western, you're gonna be engaged in research. Um, and if you say you're not interested, that doesn't matter. That's a requirement of our program and we don't make any excuses for that. But the level of which your engagement is in research is gonna be variable depending on your career goals. But we design our training program with a lot of flexibility to meet uh, a learner's needs. And so if they're wanting to aim for extended time and doing extra um, degrees or, or whatever it is that they want to achieve, we're willing to work with them to make that achievable. Um, so we definitely have flexibility in that manner. That's superb. Mike, I think we all know that the London area is a lot of fun and there's a lot uh, that, that 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 region uh, in general offers um, folks outside of medicine in particular. We're wondering maybe for some of the applicants what some of your residents, uh, you know, get up to outside of the hospital, um, what some of the things they can do are and, and what their living um, uh, looks like in general. Yeah, London is a nice place to live because it's exceedingly affordable. So a large proportion of residents will even actually purchase small homes as opposed to rental properties or rent an apartment. Some don't choose to, but some will. Um, and that's completely affordable on a resident's salary with a salary structure through PARO in the Ontario uh, organization uh, that uh, structures the payment. So um, that's definitely doable. And so I think that that is a nice thing and that doesn't exhaust all of their income. So residents still have money to travel and do other things that they want to do. Um, you know, London's kind of nice because it's sandwiched in between Lake Huron and Lake Erie. So within an hour to an hour and a half, you can be on one of the Great Lakes. Um, and there's lots of great beaches and camping and other things and outdoor activities. Uh, there's lots of hiking. Uh, that's something that I really appreciate and enjoy. The Bruce Trail runs all the way um, from uh, Tobamori, which is the northern part of southwestern Ontario, all the way down to Niagara. And so you can engage in that. Um, we have a local hockey team that everyone's excited about. It's a, uh, you know, it's a OHL team, so it's juniors, but um, the arena is built downtown. And it's really become a thing that people do. So we have eight or 9,000 people that show up to 
uh, London Knights hockey game, and there's all kinds of bars and restaurants that have uh, that people go to before and after the game, and so that's quite a, an event. We have a pretty decent art community. There's a local theater that puts on some great productions. We have a local um, uh, uh, art gallery as well, and then Stratford, Ontario, which has world class. Um, theater is like 40 minutes away so you can drive down to go see some of the most greatest Shakespearean actors that you ever want to see plus non-Shakespeare as well but it's kind of wor worldwide known as an exceptional place so there's lots of activities to do um, and I think that our residents have the time to do it and the, the other thing is they have the disposable income because their cost of living is actually pretty 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 good when you compare it to places like uh, Vancouver, Toronto and even Calgary I think is pretty expensive now um, our residents have a pretty good uh, salary and have money to do things with, and they do a lot of things together, which is a lot, of, which it makes me pretty proud when the cohort spends times together or vacations together or things like that, that again, just speaks to our, our motto, which is we work hard and we play hard. And I think that, that there's lots of opportunities. And if people want to travel, we have a, an airport in London that you can get to Toronto or Detroit pretty quickly. Um, and then if you want to drive to Toronto and Detroit, that's two two hours either way. So we're kind of nicely nestled in this part of Southwestern Ontario that um, has a lot to offer and everything's close by. So I think it's a great place to live. It's been a great place for me to raise my family, so. Well, that sounds absolutely lovely. Dr. Ott, just in closing, we were wondering if you could tell prospective applicants something that they might find surprising about the program and also if there's any other things that you would like uh, prospective applicants to know about Western? Yeah, so I think the, the most surprising thing is that, um, you know, and this has been something that's long standing, but often Western has a reputation of being a, a very, what people would describe as a hard program. I'm not sure how that became or why it became, and, but certainly residents or students often come and ask about that. And I'm not sure where that's come from. Uh, I certainly think we have a lot of expectations of our trainees. Uh, we give them a lot of autonomy. We want them to be decision makers with backup, obviously. Um, but this idea that, that it's a cold place to work, um, if you ask our residents, that's not the case. They feel very well cared for. Um, we've had lots of residents engage in all kinds of activities with our faculty. We really treat them more like, uh, if you will, family or children in a sense, as opposed to residents. And so if you come and spend time in London, and unfortunately, because of COVID, um, the applicants aren't going to be able to spend time in London. But over and over and over again, residents that are not from London will tell me they were a little um, fearful of coming. But when they came, they were hooked and they decided to stay. And we have residents from all across the country. Um, so that's, I think, something that's a bit surprising that this reputation that it's a difficult program or a tough place to train um, isn't really true. It's definitely a place where you're going to be um, uh, pushed to be your absolute best, but you're going to have a lot of support or caring. Um, and then I think the things that are most helpful to applicants, I think the, the thing that I always try and tell students, and I, I know they don't believe me when I say it, but the algorithm is built for you to get what you want more than me as a programmer to get what I want. So think of your training as a Christmas list or a birthday wish list, you know, start from the top down to the bottom, rank the things that you really want. Don't worry about playing games with your rank list. Just if you had your ideal um, place you wanted to go, rank it. And don't try and overthink it. Uh, the people that try and overthink it or play the games with the algorithm sometimes end up losing out because they've 
they've overthought the thing too much. So my, that's my big piece of advice. And then I really think it's important for people to figure out whether they feel comfortable in a place training. And, you know, the reality is, like I said, I've been doing this for 10 years. I know all the programs across the country. I've been involved in some of the accreditations of the programs across the country. There isn't a bad program in Canada. Um, you're going to get well-trained no matter where you go, but each one has a bit different flavor. It has some pros, it has some cons. Um, and the reality is, is it the right fit for you as an applicant? We're trying to look for if you're a right fit for our program, you need to figure out whether the program is a right fit for you. And don't be afraid to pick something that you think isn't the most prestigious or seems crazy to go to this place if you feel it's the right fit for you. If you're in a program where you fit well, um, you will excel. If you go to a program where you don't think you're going to fit well, but somehow it will change while you're in your training, that never happens. So I think it's really important to feel comfortable with where you go um, and to really choose what you think is best for you and not to overthink the whole ranking thing. Um, people, I've seen all kinds of disasters over the years when people try and overthink it. Just go with what your heart tells you is the best place and the best fit. That would be my most salient advice if I could. Dr. Mercaccio, thank you so much for joining us today on Cold Steel. Could you just start us off by telling us a bit about the McMaster program, please? Okay, well, I, I always say that there's 17 good training programs in Canada, and the good thing is we do things a little differently, so there's diversity. So the things we think that we do that are important and define us is number one, every resident, we help them find their career path in general surgery and then make sure that their training prepares them for that path. We think it's very important because Canada needs all kinds of, diff of general surgeons and we need to be sure we're producing all the kinds that Canada needs. So that, that's something we spend a lot of time at. Um, our program is relatively fixed in first and second year and we ensure exposure to all the, or the subspecialties of general surgery and we have endoscopy fundamental training in PGY2 so that residents can continue to expand on that for the rest of their training and so we graduate very strong endoscopists and then PGY 3, 4, and 5 is where all the flexibility is to help you explore and then ultimately prepare yourself for your career. There's no question Mike the, the Hamilton program is known to be really strong. I, I'm curious what you know if you take a 30,000 foot view what you're looking for in your resident applicants. I think one of the things I've learned, and I, this is my 10th year in this job, is we look at where, and we've been interested in attrition and those who choose general surgery. And I think one of the things we're most interested in and, and focused on is how well you've explored general surgery and how well you understand it as a career and how that fits with your own values and your, and your strengths, right? Can you relate that to the things that really get you interested and excited and that you excel at? And how does that match up with what general surgery demands? So I think the more you really have that understanding, the better we'll see you as a candidate because we think a lot of people choose general surgery or any medical discipline based on a romantic notion or an event, often a mentor who inspired them. And they were more inspired by the mentor than the actual subject. And when they started to live the subject, they found that 
really didn't fit with them. So we, we really want you to understand general surgery. We want individuals that believe collaboration, supporting each other and helping each other, even though at times you're gonna compete with each other, that you'll all get further ahead by supporting each other. So you can, it's okay to compete in a supportive way, uh, but being supportive. And then the third thing we really are interested in people who wanna help us make us better. We're not gonna be stay, stay a good program and get better by ourselves. We need our residents to be involved in that process of improving the program. So those are some of the things that are really important to us as we look. We don't worry about what kind of general surgeon you want to be. We don't have any uh, preference. We want people who understand general surgery and wanna be, truly wanna be a general surgeon. That's really sage and insightful kind of criteria because when your elbow's deep in someone's belly at three in the morning, then you really want have to know that what you're doing is what you really love doing. Right, but a good general surgeon never complains or is never not excited about being in somebody's belly at three in the morning. They may not be overly excited about seeing constipation in the emergency room, nor should they be, but if you're really meant for general surgery, that will always be a positive experience. 100%. What do your residents typically do after graduation? Are they going for a fellowship or a community? Yeah. So I, I believe that we live what we say. If we say that's what we're looking for, we actually produce that. So if I analyze 10 years of graduates, we have people across the entire spectrum of general surgery, from single surgeon, remote hospitals, to high-level academic health sciences centers and, and academic careers. And I'd say the distribution of our residents follows the distribution of general surgeons in Canada. About a third in academic practice, a third in large urban community hospitals where they're doing complex surgery, but just don't have that added component of spending a third or more of their time. And then a third in smaller, medium to small hospitals. That's pretty well the distribution of general surgeons in Canada and most are graduates. So, you know, and many of those that end up in those large urban hospitals, even though they're not academic health sciences centers have done clinical fellowships. Is there any opportunity for doing research for uh, uh, residents? Yes, there is. And <laughs> I'm just uh, negotiating that because we've been very successful. So we, we have all the options. Everybody has to do some research in residency. Royal College requires it. They require one project. We require two. That's to help everybody understand how to approach and use information that's going to guide their clinical practice. For those that feel research is going to be a part of their career, we have multiple different opportunities. Um, the most common two are we have a full-fledged clinician investigator program. McMaster has six positions that are the Royal College Clinician Investigator Program. We have a surgeon scientist stream in, inside the Department of Surgery that selects and helps residents prepare and compete for those six positions. So McMaster's got about 200 residents in each year training, somewhere around 1,000 residents total. Uh, this year, two of those six positions across all of McMaster went to general surgery residents. And we're really proud of that. Uh, the second option, a lot of residents will take a year of uh, leave of absence uh, to do a, a one-year master's. For, for McMaster, Harvard's been extremely popular, although we've had residents go around the world. I just had one return who spent a year in France studying economics of healthcare. Um, so they've done all kinds of diverse things, but 
you know, at least 50% of them that have done that have gone to Harvard to the School of Public Health and done their one-year MPH. We, our program owns an endowment that is competitive, but every year that endowment provides funding for one resident, uh, one to, to, for the salary of a resident. So if you take a leave of absence, you can still get your salary if you win the endowment, the, the fund. It's very competitive. I think we've got four applications this year and one of them will get that, but we own that. And it's a huge benefit to, to be able to do that, not have to sort of stitch together five different types of funding to try and get by for that year. But, you know, again, we about 30% of our residents have done a, an advanced degree in training, but we don't try to combine that with our clinical time. So you still do five full years of clinical training if you do that. Oh, that's an amazing opportunity, there's no doubt. You know, I've spent a lot of time in Hamilton over the years, and I love that city dearly. I, I'm wondering for somebody who maybe hasn't spent much time um, in Hamilton, how you would describe it, and what are some of the things that your residents get up to on, on days off? So if you look at our Instagram, and, and I don't run that because I have no social media skills, but I think the big things are, one, it's easy to get around. We've got three main teaching hospitals plus the pediatric hospital. And you can get from hospital to hospital in 15 minutes. Most of our residents live within 15 minutes. They don't have long commutes in. Um, I think that we're 10 minutes from green space and we've got a huge multitude of green spaces. So people who like green spaces, uh, there's no shortage and they're easy to get to. Uh, it's a very livable city. I think raising a family, many of our residents end up buying a house because, well, nothing's affordable. They find it manageable and, and possible. So they do that. And if, you know, then they can sell it when they leave and make a profit. But many of them actually live in houses uh, or in the downtown core. There's lots of high quality living spaces. And then the big things in Hamilton and lots of cultural things, but food is, you know, the last 10 or 15 years, food is the rage and really a good eclectic mix of food in that. And then uh, microbreweries are big here and we've got lots of really excellent ones. So food and beverages is a favorite pastime of my residents as well as outdoor activities and, and just chilling out. And then finally, you know, if you really need to go to the big city, you can hop on the GO train and be in downtown Toronto in about 53 minutes without the hassle of parking. So access to Toronto, the Niagara Peninsula and, and wine country and the United States, if the borders let you and that's your thing. So it's a pretty easy place to get to other places from. And our residents do all kinds of things. Yeah, having lived in Hamilton a little while, I can I totally vouch for everything that you're saying. Um, in, in closing, and thanks again, Dr. Mercaccio, for spending the time, what's one thing that you think people would find surprising about the program? Is there anything else that you would want future applicants to know about the program? Hard to, hard to know how to answer that. I don't think there's anything particularly surprising. I, I think our graduates uh, are our ambassadors. Um, so I don't think there's anything really surprising uh, about it. Um, I think you know, McMass, the one thing is that we really do value diversity and inclusiveness and, and that we welcome all those that truly want to be a general surgeon. And, and we are committed to making sure that your training prepares you for what you want to do. 
Dr. McKay, thank you so much for joining us on the Cold Steel podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about the Winnipeg program, please? Yeah, thanks. No, happy to be here. Um, we have, uh, you know, a, a fairly small program, kind of small to medium program. We take about uh, three, about three residents a year uh, from the CARMS uh, uh, interviews. We have, uh, it's, it's a five-year program with the option to do either a one-year um, master's in surgery research year or uh, a two-year clinician investigator program uh, research track. So um, anywhere from five to seven years. Uh, two main teaching sites um, in, uh, in Winnipeg with uh, uh, contacts with a bunch of community centers uh, nearby or, or across, the, across the province. Um, you know, we have a huge catchment area. We service uh, all of Manitoba, uh, part of the uh, uh, Nunavut, uh, Northwestern Ontario. So we see absolutely uh, everything. Um, lots and lots of volume, uh, lots and lots of teaching. Um, you know, the small atmosphere, I think, uh, really helps. Yeah, absolutely. Winnipeg's well known for for all the crazy cases and, and high volume that you get. And I certainly have talked to some of your residents and seen some of their pictures on their phone. So I, I can attest to the, to the sheer volume and interesting cases that, that residents must see. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the highlights and strengths of the program? Yeah, I, I think the biggest uh, strength of the program is the size. Uh, you know, it sits that sweet spot with, uh, you know, just big enough that, that you will see and do everything uh, but it's still nice and small that uh, very early on, you know, the staff will will get to know all of the residents, um, you know, you know, get buried and, uh, you know, 50 or 60 other residents. Uh, so that's really a, a good thing um, by getting to know our residents early, building that trust, um, which gives them increased responsibility and uh and roles, so operating early, getting to do uh, more cases uh, sooner, um, and uh, also recognizing if, if somebody uh, does need a little bit of help or a little bit of extra attention, they don't, they don't fall through the cracks. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a nice thing to have where, where the residents and staff really all get to know each other and there's a real level of trust and camaraderie there. Um, what do your residents typically do after graduation? Are most of them going into community practice or fellowships? What kind of has been the split? Yeah, it's that's a no. That's a good question. Uh, I, I think the, the the short answer is that our, our residents have been very successful in uh, getting the careers that they want. It's it's traditionally been about a 50-50 split between uh, fellowships versus uh, community. Um, so, you know, a bunch of, uh, recent grads have all gotten nice, uh, community jobs. Um, you know, everybody who, at least in recent memory that has, uh, gone after a fellowship has got it in some very competitive fellowships. So, you know, our residents, uh, um, you know, I, I think they've really been doing well after they've been finished. There is an opportunity for residents to take a year off to do their master's. Is that the main opportunity for residents to do research or are there any other uh, opportunities for 
residents to participate in research or other scholarly activities? Uh, there are lots of research opportunities uh, in the program. Uh, taking the year off or, or the two years off for the CIB program is, is really for master's level research. So, you know, big projects, lots of studying. Um, we have uh, requirements in our program that every resident do two uh, research projects in their five years. Um, you know, we uh, specify that they need to present at our research day uh, at least twice and, and really encourage, uh, you know, presentations at conferences uh, and things. So um, everybody's been able to meet those requirements. Um, uh, some people have certainly done more, uh, but um, anybody who's wanted to do a research project has always found one. No, I think Winnipeg is uh, very similar, I, I think, to, from what I've heard, to where I grew up in Edmonton. But can you tell me and, and our listeners a little bit about what the city of Winnipeg is like and what residents get up to typically after uh, after hours and outside of the hospital? Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, I, I think Winnipeg gets a bad rap. I think it's a great city. Um you know, I will say that I'm biased. And, and so when you do, so my advice to uh, all the applicants, uh, when it comes to, um, you know, interview day, talk to our residents, you know, get the real deal. Uh, but there is lots to lots going on in the city. Um, you know, there's a great restaurant scene. Um, uh, NHL hockey has been back for a while. Uh, and my personally, my, my favorite is, uh, you know, is the summer. There's so many uh, outdoor activities, uh, parks, uh, lakes, uh, campgrounds, all very close to the city. Um, so I, I think we have uh, just fantastic summers and, uh, um, you know, you got you to embrace the winter. You got to enjoy the winter. Lots of festivals. Um, our, our residents are, are really pretty tight-knit group and they, they do actually spend uh you know their their own personal time together too i think i think they do a lot of uh activities uh i think they make the most of the city yeah that really speaks to the camaraderie again of the among the residents when people spend time together outside of the work yeah and uh you know i guess what you're saying is buy a warm coat and then enjoy the city <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good advice <laughs> do you have any tips for prospective applicants in terms of, first of all, what kind of uh, applicants you're looking for, and also any tips and tricks for having a successful CARMS uh, interview day. And I know that it's all virtual. So do you have any tips regarding that? Yeah. So, you know, what, what we're really looking for is, um, you know, people that we think are going to be a, a real good fit, uh, a real good part of the team. Um, you know, I, I, I think all, all of our applicants are, are going to be smart. They're going to be, uh, you know, capable. Um, we're really looking for the kind of the, the right uh, uh, mix who are going to really uh, fit in. Um, in terms of tips on the interview day, uh, you know, it's easy to say relax and, you know, just sort of be yourself. Um, you know, we're not... You know, although some of the questions are, are, you know, tough, nobody's out to, to trick you. Um, just be open and uh, be honest. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard uh, process. I remember going through all that. Um, I just wish everybody the, you know, wish you all the best.
in closing, I'd just like to ask, is there anything surprising about the program that you'd want applicants to know about that they might not already know? And is there anything else that we haven't asked you about Winnipeg that uh, you think uh, prospective residents uh, would like to know? You know, I think that probably the things that I that I'm the most proud of that we've really developed over the past few years is, uh, you know, a, a huge increase in uh, maybe the, the quantity and the quality of the teaching. Um, you know, the, the one there's one good thing that came out of COVID and there's so many bad things. But when we were shut down and had nothing to do, uh, we said we're just going to uh, teaching sessions, lots and lots of teaching sessions. And now that things have kind of ramped up again, uh, well, we, we've kept that. And uh, so I think we've uh, made a really, uh, really, really nice Im improvements. I think our, uh, our, the quantity and quality of the teaching is, is now just fantastic. Um, in terms of uh, what else to, to know about Winnipeg, you know, the, the advice that I always gave to, to medical students thinking about a residency program is, you know, get a chance and, and talk to the residents, um, you know, find out, you know, are the residents happy? Uh, um, you know, that really tells a lot about a program. Um, so I'd absolutely encourage uh, uh, people to reach out. We have a few meetings, uh, obviously in CARBS interview day, lots of chances to do that. Dr. Roshan, thank you for joining us on Cold Steel today. Can you start by telling us a little bit about uh, my alma mater, the University of Calgary Residency Program? So the University of Calgary is a, a mid-sized general surgery residency program. The program offers all general surgery subspecialty services with the exception of lung and liver transplantation. There's five sites uh, in Calgary, including the Children's Hospital, Foothills Hospital, Peter Lougheed, the Rocky View and the South Health Campus. We're also supported very well by a number of community rotations, which gives the residents a lot of opportunity to explore things outside the academic world. Um, we also have a very engaged faculty and resident group, and I think that's really the strength of where our program lies. Well, not to, to bias listeners too much, but I, I agree with many of the points that were, were said above. So can you tell us a little bit about the strengths uh, of the Calgary program? Sure. So one of the first things that I think about now with our program is our simulation program. You know, when I was a resident a number of years ago, it was really in its infancy. Um, and we've had a couple of very astute medical leaders develop this simulation program into something that's probably one of the better ones in the, in the country. Um, we have four to five porcine um, labs uh, yearly. And that's in addition to the monthly labs that we run for the more junior residents. It really gives our residents an, an opportunity to um, improve their tissue handling, decision-making in a really less stressful environment. It also gives our more senior trainees an opportunity uh, to teach in that less stressful environment, to tell them you know, their, uh, trip, their tricks and tips on, on how to manage the tissue and, and how they manage surgical problems. Um, we're a high volume center. Um, although Calgary seems like a smaller place um, when you fly into it, it's, it's actually a, a large place in Canada. We, we support a lot of our uh, surrounding areas. So we probably look at after between one and a half and two million people. Uh, we have an outstanding faculty that's nationally and internationally recognized. Um, this is not only helpful for our, for our residents, but also helps them um, when deciding on fellowships and gives them a lot of support throughout uh, North America, especially. 
Um, but really the true strength of the program is our residents. You know, we're really fortunate to have attracted an, an incredibly talented, caring, supportive group of people that really sort of show the and showcase um, what the, the culture of Calgary General Surgery is um, and, and, that, and the type of people that we want to recruit. Um, I'm really fortunate to be able to lead these groups. Well, I think that's very accurate. All, all the things that you said, um, you know, you touched on it a little bit that, uh, that many, uh, applicants go on to do fellowships. Can you just break down, I can tell you what my year was, but can kind of historically over the last few years, what have Calgary residents gone on to do after graduation? Sure. So historically it's pretty close to 50, 50 look after the last 20 years. Um, this year we have four, uh, chiefs. Uh, one's going to vascular surgery, one's doing an access global health fellowship, one's doing an upper GI bariatric fellowship, and one's going to locum for a year before uh, going into a, um, a fellowship the following year. Um, the previous year was uh, more heavily weighted towards fellowships as well. And then your year was 50-50, where four of you went into community and four of you went into a fellowship. Um, you know, I suspect looking back um, at our more junior trainees, it's going to tr uh, carry along those 50% lines. Um, you know, I think really the pride of the surgery program here in Calgary is that no matter what you choose, you're going to be competent when you leave here at the end of your fifth year, whether that's going to be to go on to further training in a fellowship or to go into a community uh, independent job. Ryan, how many applicants do you typically take in a year? So um, we typically see between 100 and 130 uh, applicants. Um, and this year we've increased the number of Canadian medical graduates. We're um, going to be enrolling to five. I think that's a, a better number for Calgary. We had been dropping our enrollment due to workforce issues, but I think there's a lot more opportunity in general surgery coming forward in our country. And I think five really provides a very good balance for not only our program, but also is enough um, of, a, of a service gap that will be able to um, supply general surgeons uh, in areas of need in the next five years. And, and Ryan, uh, you know, uh there's lots of opportunities for residents to get involved in research. Can you highlight uh, some of the opportunities that if, if someone was interested in doing research, uh, how they might pursue that? Sure. So like many places across the country, we offer a CIP and a surgeon scientist stream um, if you were interested in doing some more formal education. But we also have an expectation of all residents to be involved in research, um, whether that's clinical or basic science or some combination of, of both of those. Um, I expect all first-year residents to be involved in a, in a research project and present a proposal at least. In the next three out of four years, I expect you to present um, a new data uh, and, and take at least one project to completion, uh, including publication. Um, I also have a background in quality improvement and patient safety, and, and through a group of us here at the university, we're planning on um, putting on a more formal quality improvement program with the expectation that every general surgery resident, really every surgical resident in Calgary will have been involved or completed a quality improvement project before graduation. I think that's a skill set that's gonna be very much in need uh, going through the future. Yeah, that's fantastic. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, having lived in Calgary, I, I can tell you that, it, and, and I'm sure you're gonna talk about this, what a great city it is. You know, you can't come to Calgary and not be inspired a little bit by all the like fit cyclists and and skiers and things like that that you see. But can you uh, talk a little bit about what Calgary has to offer and what residents typically get up to uh, outside of the hospital? Sure. So Calgary is a terrific city. It's definitely an international city. 
Um, I knew very little about the city before uh, moving to Calgary. My only real experience was coming here on a yearly basis with UBC football to get beat. Um, but once moving here, you know, I really realized what an outdoor city Calgary is. You know, we're situated very close to the Rocky Mountains. Banff and Canmore are the two main areas that we have access to for hiking. Um, the outdoor activities are abundant, you know, throughout the year, whether it's in downhill skiing or cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, or just hiking. Um, there are some terrific uh, lakes in that area as well. I know that my family takes advantage of that often. Um, but, you know, beyond that, the Stampede is probably what the city is best known for. It's in the early part of July. It's a heavily attended um, uh, outdoor festival. Um, historically, last year it came back after a year hiatus due to COVID and was extremely well done. Um, it's definitely the highlight um, of the summer for Calgary. Um, and it really puts us on the map. Uh, the winter months, they're, they're definitely cold today with the wind chill was minus 25, but they're sunny. Again, growing up in the little mainland, I was used to very dreary, wet winters. And although they're cold and snowy, the, the sunshine makes it a lot easier to get through. Uh, we have an exceptional zoo. Uh, I have four children and we, we utilize the zoo frequently. Um, we're, we'll be going to Zoo Lights in the next week or so, which is a, a really well done light show that, that the zoo puts on in the evenings. Um, we're getting a new rink, which is well overdue. You know, the Calgary Flames are definitely overachieving currently. Uh, and that new rink will hopefully give them a little bit better area to play in. Um, we have very manageable traffic, which again, growing up in the Vancouver area is not something that I'm used to. And so it's easy to get around the city. Um, and we also have a very uh, active arts community. Um, there are several excellent museums and we have um, visiting shows that come frequently to the city. We wanted to finish with one final question, which was, um, essentially surrounding if, if you were going to give advice to potential applicants in terms of um, maybe one or two things that would um, surprise an applicant they wouldn't know about the Calgary program, what would you say? So CARMS, I would say, is my favorite time of the academic year. Um, I get to meet some incredible applicants and I get to talk about the program. Um, you know, my goal at the end of the day is to match the best applicants to my program. And by best applicant, I mean the people that fit in with our resident group the best that are gonna probably thrive in our city and in our program. Um, you know, my main tip is for the, med for the medical students to, be, to be, um, be themselves. You know, don't try to promote yourself as somebody you're not. And the second part is being honest with themselves, really knowing who they are and what they wanna do. Um, the worst thing that can happen is to oversell or undersell or really not recognize what you wanna do or what you wanna be and end up in the wrong program in the wrong city. So this CARMS tour, this CARMS program is all about figuring out what's best for the applicant. You know, the programs benefit greatly, but it's really both the applicants. So knowing themselves and being honest with themselves, I think that's where you find out who you are and you end up in the right place. Dr. Mapier, thank you very much for joining us today on Cold Steel. We really appreciate your time and for making the effort to tell all the prospective applicants more about the University of Alberta General Surgery Program. So can you start off by telling us a bit about your program? Um, so um, my name is Deng Mapier, first of all, and I'm a co-program director um, in general surgery here at the University of Alberta. And my other colleague is Dr. Athena Bennett. Uh, the both of us uh, are um, at our uh, directing the program. So, um, so as um, U of A, we take about six 
um, residents every year. And uh, it's a big program. Uh, we train in about four different hospitals, four different main hospitals. And we do send some, uh, some of our residents to uh, doing a rural rotation in Grand Prairie. Uh, and some of them will go to Lethbridge or Red Deer. Um, but the main four hospitals in Edmonton uh, are based out here in Edmonton. Uh, with the two, two main sites are the University of Alberta Hospital and the uh, Royal Alex Hospital, what we consider the trauma center. And then we have the, the Grey Nun, uh, as well as the uh, Misericordia. Uh, so, so definitely big program, uh, a lot of challenges um, in terms of with, with uh, uh, coverage, but you do get exposed to a lot of things. That's kind of, you know, the, the, the upside of it. You know, you, you, you get to see a lot from um, the bread, bread and butter of general surgery um, from all the different sites to more of the special, specialized sites when you see hepatobiliary, uh, vascular, um, you see uh, minimum invasive surgery, uh, acute care surgery. Um, we do have also um, uh, high volume uh, breast um, uh, surgeries at the mesocordia. Uh, so you get, you get to get exposed to a lot of um, the general surgery uh, with not only just the bread and butter, but also the subspecialty that will hopefully help you uh, guide you in, in your career. And the other thing that we don't highlight as much is University of Alberta offer a rural rotation, uh, rural stream, um, which means that, for example, if you decided that um, during your residency here that you want to do uh, work in a smaller community, then we'll try to facilitate that. So you spend more time in some of the uh, rural area, or mainly Grand Prairie, but then we're going to make sure that you have some chance to um, expand your your surgical capacity and surgical knowledge uh, to include things that you might offer. It might not necessarily be in the realm of general surgery in, in the big city, but definitely if you work in a smaller center, like things, things like C-sections, some few plastic procedures and, and things like that. So we're trying to facilitate that. And usually that happens when, you know, in, in your R3 years and up. Um, so that's kind of like briefly, you know, what uh, Universal Alberta have to offer. Yeah, that's great. You know, you know, the U of A program obviously has been such a strong Canadian program for so many decades. Um, you almost don't have to probably sell anything, but I, I'm, I'm curious or we're curious, where, where do a lot of your residents, once they're graduating, go in terms of a, a fellowship versus maybe a straight into a, a community job sort of mix? And, and, and what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's an excellent question, Dr. Ball. Um, just, just one thing that I forgot to highlight, uh, and I'll, I'll answer this question. Uh, we do have a strong research um, uh, infrastructure here in Universal Alberta. So a lot of our residents actually go and, and do the CIP program, the clinical investigative program, um, and usually one or two per year for going to that program. Uh, but back to your, your, your question then, Dr. Ball. Um, so in terms of where our residents go, um, over the years, it's been like 20, 80% will go into a fellowship and about 20% will go straight into community. That's kind of the average over the last few years. And in terms of fellowship, we have people going to fellowship in uh, across the country, uh, in the States, and a lot of them are be successful in, in, in attaining this, the, their fellowship. Uh, we have people going into evaluability, colorectal, um, uh, trauma, um, breast, um, and then we have some people who 
wanted to go into the community and, and they were uh, successful in that as well. Uh, so so is a mix of both, but I'll say probably 80% will go into fellowship and about 20% will go straight into uh, community practice. Yeah, that is, that is always a, a great mix in the 80-20 split for sure. And I, I think uh, Amir and I have to be honest and disclose as we have before on this podcast that being both Edmonton-born boys and, and having grown up in Edmonton, we, we really do love the city. But for those folks who maybe haven't visited Edmonton or spent much time there, tell us what your impression of the city is like. And you know, maybe even beyond that, um, the other things that residents can get involved with uh, within Edmonton when they're not at the hospital working. I moved to Edmonton about 2014. So I didn't know exactly you know, what, what, what to expect. You know? um, but I have to say that I, I came to you know, love Edmonton and grew to, to love Edmonton. And uh, because the city actually has a lot to offer, um, whether during the wintertime, during the summertime, uh, if whether you're indoor kind of type of person or outdoor type of person, you will find a lot to do in Edmonton. Um, so, for example, if you do a lot of outdoor stuff, you know, Edmonton is very famous for their uh, River Valley Trail, which is one of the longest probably in, in North America, if not the world. So, um, and it's well-maintained uh, during summer and winter. Uh, so that's kind of one of the highlights of the city has to offer. And as you know, people who like to go do indoor stuff and shopping, as you know, you know, we, we're famous for West Edmonton Mall. And the great thing about Alberta, you don't have to pay the PSD. So, so that's kind of a bonus for people who like those kind of activities. Uh, but not only that, but there's a lot of festivals um, that happen here. Unfortunately, with the COVID, you know, every, you know, we haven't seen a lot of action over the last couple of years. But um, before COVID time, you know, it, there's a lot of festivals all throughout the summers, um, different type of festivals, from music festivals to cultural festivals. So it's almost like every weekend there's something happening in Edmonton here. Um, so it's definitely you will not be bored, you know, outside the hospital. Um, same thing, winter. There's a lot of winter festival activities that happening. Um, and uh, one thing that you know I need to highlight is like a, there's, a, there's a street called Candy Cam uh, Candy Lane um, uh, Street, basically where they have a bunch of like Christmas decoration that's probably happening right now. And it's a very well-known uh, Edmonton attraction. So, um, but yeah, like it, it's, whether it's summer, winter, you're gonna find something to do in Edmonton. Um, Jasper is not too far away. You know, it's only you know a few hours drive, so you can make that drive. But you can go enjoy the mountains and all of that. And there's a lot of other places around you know Edmonton that you within uh, driving distance where you can, if you like the nature and outdoors, where you can go enjoy yourself there. So you're not just in the hospital on call all the time. Good old E-Town. I got to love it. Dr. Mapp here, what, what are the qualities that you're looking for in an applicant to the U of A program? The main applicant, you know, the, the main thing that I always like in, in, in any, any applicants, especially for, for general surgery, uh, is, is to be passionate about surgery. I want, you know, you, you have to have that passion about surgery because the training for general surgery is, is, is quite tough. Um, you know, uh, and for all surgery, especially, but for general surgery specifically, it's quite tough. Uh, you get to, you know, sometimes have long or long hours. Um, you know, you do many calls, uh, so it can be very. You know, you're dealing with sick patients. Uh, sometimes you can have loss of patients. So it, it's definitely required. You know, you have to have that passion to to push you through some of those tough dates. Okay, um, 
But at the same time, so we want you to have a somewhat of a balanced life. You know, even though you worked very hard um, during residency, we still want you to maintain um, uh, your social lives, maintain your 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 hobbies, your activity that you do outside of the hospital. Uh, make sure that you have time for your friends and, and your family. Uh, so you're not. We want like a well-rounded person. Yes, we want you to work very hard and be passionate about surgery. But at the same time, we want to make sure that you also balance your life outside medicine, outside work. So we want to make sure that, you know, you have time to exercise, you know, exercise your body because we, you know, make sure you have, you know, we look after your mental health, make sure that you have a, a strong social connection with your, your family and your peers and your colleagues and, you know, people outside of work. So that's what kind of thing that we're looking for an applicant, someone who is willing to work hard, but also someone who is also able to take care of themselves and, and make sure that they have a, a life outside of hospital and outside the residency. Our last question for you, Dr. Mapier, uh, is there anything about the program that might be surprising to applicants? And are there any other things that we haven't asked about that you'd like to add about the U of A program? Um, like I said, you know, it's a stroke program. Uh, whether if you know if you want to go into community practice, you can have that, or you want to go into the academics, you can have that. But the thing that I like about Edmonton and the residency here, the uh, just the collegiality, right, uh, amongst the the residents themselves, uh, between the residents and the staff, um, there's a strong, strong um, spirit of like you know we're in it together, you know, and uh, look after each other uh, as best as we can, and that's what I, one of the things that. Uh, kept me in Edmonton and uh, uh, hopefully for the foreseeable future. But that's one of the things that I like about Edmonton, that just sense of collegiality and sense of like, you know, um, we we in this community together and uh, we, we're gonna support each other. Dr. Scott, thank you so much for joining us on Cold Steel today. We really appreciate you taking out the time and uh, taking out the time to highlight the University of British Columbia General Surgery Residency Program. Can we just start by asking you to tell us a little bit about the UBC program? Sure. Well, thanks for having me today. Um, UBC is... Uh... I think a great program, um, mostly because of the residents and the faculty we have. It's really a, a truly provincial program. We have over 40 sites for our residents to come to work, live and play in. We have a mix of common general surgery. We have trauma, we have complex surgical oncology. There's hepatobiliary thoracics, pretty much anything you can think of to do surgery wise, you know, we have here. So we're really excited to be able to uh, give our residents that experience. One of our other um, key factors is we have a longitudinal endoscopy program. So we have a really good relationship with GI and our uh, general surgeons that do colonoscopy. Uh, so that's really exciting for our general surgery residents. And then, you know, beyond the clinical expertise, we really have time for residents to do research and to do their academics. Um, and we have innovative programs that uh, they do each year. So when every year residents come, they do a different course. So in first year, they have crash. In second year, they have an innovation week. Third year, they have rise. And uh, they also have a cultural safety course. So we're really excited about what we're able to offer our, our residents. You know, Dr. Scott, UBC General Surgery has been known for being very dynamic and innovative over the past, well, I don't know, at least 10 years and probably longer. 
I, I'm curious, be, based on the culture of that innovation and the, the, the culture of that sort of forward thinking, where most of your residents end up once they're done in terms of fellowship versus community practice, as well as the mix of those, of those scenarios? Yeah, I, I would say it, it changes kind of on a yearly basis. But if you look at it overall, about half of our residents go into fellowship. And you know that could be in anything all across North America. And then about half of them go into practice right away. And that could be at an academic center um, or in a uh, community site. So I would say it's about half and half. Um, Dr. Scott, how many applicants do you take a year? And what are the qualities of app in prospective applicants that you're looking for? Uh, we normally get about somewhere between 100 to 130 applications, depending on the interest in general surgery in a year. Um, we really want to have residents that are interested in general surgery and have a growth mindset. So we, we use the term zone of proximal development a lot. So we want people that have a curious mind that are going to be coachable and that, you know, really want to learn how to be an excellent general surgeon. Uh, that, that's such a great outlook. And I think so important, obviously, in, in surgical training, there's no doubt. I think probably all of us across the country and all the applicants know a fair bit about Vancouver, but I, I'm curious um, what your thoughts on, on your city are, number one, and number two, what some of the things available to prospective residents would be, you know, on days where they're not working in the hospital, for example. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. Um, I come from Newfoundland, so I was totally enamored with Vancouver when I came. Just having the ability to be in the city, but in 20 minutes, you could be in the mountains, you could be in the ocean, you could have summer, you could have winter, you know, all close around you. And then also have all the elements of city life. So, you know, you can go to a play, you can go out for dinner, you can go shopping. Um, so I just love that you have such a variety of things, no matter what you're interested in. What opportunities are there for uh, research for uh, future applicants? Yeah, so some of our residents will actually take a research year, um, and that could be multiple years. We actually have a couple of residents that are doing their PhD right now with the, within their residency program. But even if you don't want to do a dedicated research time, we do have a, a, a lead surgeon who um, gets involved with all of the residents in their first year and really finds out what is their baseline of research, and they need to complete at least three research projects over their time here. Um, so again, we want to make sure that people have that, you know, intellectual curiosity and can follow through with a plan and make sure they can read the literature. So you can kind of do as little or, or as much as you want, as long as you get through the baseline, but it, it's an important part of our program. That's great that you guys have that flexibility in, in general. It's, it's wonderful. I, I think our last question for you, Dr. Scott, is, you know, for, for the prospective applicant, once again, what are the, what's the one thing or, or a few things that maybe um, would surprise them um, that, that really um, they wouldn't know about in terms of coming to Vancouver and particularly to the UBC program? I think the one thing that we always like residents to know is that this is a very resident focused program. And so all of our innovation and our evaluations and our assessments are done as a team. So we always think that our residents are, you know, are the strength of our program, and we do a lot of feedback sessions, and we get a lot of information from them. And so the program that you see now is not going to be the program you're going to see in five years, 
because we like to change with the residents that are here and the residents that are coming in and making sure that we can make it the best residency for each individual resident. Um, and I know that you know, you're gonna get good training no matter where you go across Canada. So I really think that the residents need to find the right fit for them. And so talk to the residents that, you're, um, that are at the program that you're at and, and see, can you actually stay at that program for you know, five or more years? Surgical residency is long. And if you're happy in it, then you know you can. It'll make it so much better. If you're really unhappy in the location that you're at, it's going to make it so much harder. So I think you really need to find the right fit. And you know, I think that's something that our residents really um, like to talk about as well. Um, and we really think of UBC as a family. And so you know, we want to make sure that you know everybody comes in with that same attitude that they're going to uh, support each other. You've been listening to Cold Steel, the official podcast of the Canadian Journal of Surgery. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, and feedback. So send us an email at podcast.cjs at gmail.com or tweet at us at CanJSurge. Thanks again.